Hi, I'm Laura Flanders, and this is The Laura Flanders Show, the TV and radio program that seeks to raise radical spirits by interviewing forward-thinking people with real-life models of shifting power from the few to the many in the worlds of arts, entrepreneurship, and governance. If we don't have our water anymore, Newark is not the Newark I know. I'm born and raised, and it's not going to be the same, right? And so if we hold on to that, you know, maybe we can hold on to the culture there. If we could just have people, people who are qualified experts to handle something as sensitive as water, right? Because it's not infrastructure. Water is not just infrastructure. It's life, you know, it's its own resource mm. before it goes through those pipes. And we need people who understand that. You know, and, and if we could have that kind of oversight, then we, we trust whatever administration to do the work as long as you're doing the work. A lead crisis in Newark, New Jersey. It's all coming up on the Laura Flanders Show, the place where the people who say it can't be done take a back seat to the people who are doing it. Welcome. It was only recently that it made national news, but lead which has been linked to potentially irreversible damage to developing brains and nervous systems, started leaching into the city drinking water in Newark long ago. The story actually goes back years, years in which top officials, despite ample evidence, have denied that their water system had a widespread lead problem. And that's drawn comparisons with Flint, Michigan, where the state government took control of the city's water. Newark's mayor, Ras Baraka, has insisted he will do everything to stop New Jersey's state government from doing the same thing as what happened in Michigan. But advocates are concerned that one way or another, this crisis could be turned into an excuse to take control of their water out of their public hands. It's been the trend since the Ronald Reagan years. State and municipal officials have sold off public waterworks to private companies all across the country. In Newark, community members are committed to ensuring that their city fixes the water crisis, not through privatization, but through more robust democratic control. Residents want clean water, accountability, and a whole lot more say, as they told us this September. We went to Newark. We are here in Newark, and we're talking about the lead crisis here in Newark. There was an advisory sent out to the residents to not drink the water and to um, use bottled water. And what I just found out now is that they're only handing out four cases every two weeks. I'm here with Yvette Jordan. She is a teacher at Central High School. Uh, she's been there for three years, but you've been a teacher for 14 years. Right. What's happening on the ground? I'm concerned about it. I'm still concerned. I tell my students about water all the time, mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, everything is fine. Mm -hmm. Everything's okay, Miss Jordan. So it's a lot of misinformation. It's a lot of ignorance and naivete going yeah. on. Even now, even since we are originally on filters, and now we're on only, only bottled water. Mm. And even in terms of educating everybody about the water, initially filters, yeah. what you should do now, mm. it's not happening. Mm. It's not organized. Mm. So myself and other activists are saying all of this effort, and it's a huge effort in terms of a public um, infrastructure project yeah. should be overseen. It is a state of emergency. How, however, the governor has not declared it. And wow. that's what I was asking for. Everybody was asking for that. Yeah. However, I don't think everybody understands what it means. Yeah. When you declare a state of emergency, it means every agency must work in tandem yeah. with each other. 
and it's not happening now. Wow. So everything is disjointed, right? So in light of all this, what, what steps, what things would you like to see happen right now as far as the mayor maybe addressing this? What more can he be doing in this moment in time? I think it's important for there to be oversight of what he and the city is actually doing from some people who actually have done it. I think reliance on volunteers all the time is not an ideal situation. I think he should hire some people who who are trained and are actually helping out, especially in terms of education. I think he should also partner with hospitals and CBOs out there who know how to educate in terms mm. of health care. Mm. And that is not happening. Mm. And that's imperative. Yes. Just for people to even care more and yes. really understand what's actually going on. Yeah. Instead of trying to exploit their ignorance, for lack of a better word, you know, the ignorance yeah. of water led the issue of mm-hmm. it, right? Yeah. For sure. Do mm-hmm. you think that that has, that this thing, this issue, this this now national issue is an argument for privatization. Look, the public, the, the, the state isn't doing what they're supposed to do. So now let's privatize the water. Do you think that that's no, what they're trying to do? No, absolutely not. And I would say the same thing, especially as an educator, I mm-hmm. think with the whole charter movement, I think it's, it's, it's analogous. Yeah. Because folks said, well, education isn't happening in the right way, so we'll privatize mm-hmm. it or, or we'll make it charter. Yeah. So where is it happening? Yeah. Mostly in black and brown mm-hmm. areas, right? Yeah. So the same thing is happening here in terms mm-hmm. of water, in terms of environmental justice. Yes. What is actually happening? Environmental or injustice. Not- yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So in terms of them wanting to privatize, yeah, they want to. However, citizenry in, in Newark will fight against that. I like that, yeah. And has. Yeah. So who actually has the economic benefit? Mm. And we've got to watch that. It's like with any crisis, who who is making money off of that? Yeah, for sure. For me, I think it's imperative, mm. especially as an educator, that we've got to advocate for those who can't. And that's why I raise my voice. Mm. Joining me now are two of the co-founders of the Newark Water Coalition, Sabra B. and Anthony Diaz. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having us. You heard it there. Your fellow residents are pretty frustrated and angry about what happened. You're a pretty new organization. Who wants to tell me how you all got funded? And was it only in the response to this particular crisis? Uh, Anthony. <laughs> all right. So it, we, you know, we've been friends for a long time. And we knew this issue was happening. And I remember having a conversation in Sabre's Kitchen about, hey, someone should really organize around this issue. And I was like, yeah, someone will organize around this issue. Apparently, no one was organizing around this issue. So we decided to take it up. And I put a call out, you know, you know, I've been an activist for a long time in the city of Newark. So I put a call out asking some friends to come and 30 people showed up and we were like, wow, people really care about this issue. And then we had another meeting and another 30 people showed up. And then that kind of got the ball rolling mm. in December of 2018. So people definitely cared. And there was a lot of community, you know, saying, hey, we need to rally around this. We need the facts. We need the information. I should say it's Sabre. It's Sabre, not Sabra. It's Sabre. Like Sabre. 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 It's a good one. Sabre B. Um, what is the situation? How are people dealing with the water crisis? What are you drinking? What's actually the condition on the ground? 
So as of right now, there are ev this evidence of lead contamination in all of the wards in Newark, right? So what people have been doing is they've been doing point of use filters, and those are kind of like the pure filters that you see attached to the faucet. Uh, people have been using pitchers that they can drain the water into so that it filters through. Um, what we advocate for is point of entry filters, right? Because then it eliminates that huge margin of error mm -hmm. that you have at the sink. Maybe you're not a plumber, right? Maybe you're not putting on correctly. Maybe you're not using it properly. Like you're not supposed to put hot water through it. You know, so there's a lot of things that if you're not in the conscious mind to keep it maintained, you can still be exposing yourself and your family to life. Also, those commercial filters that people may have seen, they're not cheap. They're no. not cheap. And you have to replace them regularly? Yes. And when you have a lead situation, it speeds up the amount of time that it takes for the filter to die on you. Mm. So if it's supposed to be maybe three months, maybe you'll get a month and a half out of it. And has there been adequate surveying of local people, particularly kids? Mm. We did a story in Baltimore after the death of Freddie Gray, mm. who himself had suffered from lead poisoning. And we looked into the implications lifelong for people who have been in a lead poisoning situation, dropping out of school, finding learning hard, often running into trouble with the cops, in Freddie's case, ending up dead. And that's one of the things that we like to talk about because Everybody's talking about replacing these lead service lines to avoid this poisoning, but the damage has been done. Has this, we've already been living like this for two and a half years, almost three years. So we, we, we're very conscious of that. We're conscious of the treatment, of the implications. We know there's a correlation between aggression and lead poisoning. And then when you look at this, uh, like a city like Newark that has a high level of crime, a high level of unemployment, you start to wonder you know, how far does this well go down? Mm. How far is this connection? And it makes us very sad. And so one of the things that we've been lobbying for, at least with some legislators, is, hey, there needs to be a treatment plan in place. There needs to be wraparound service around this because we know that we've been living like this for, for over more than a year. So, so is there what's coming out of city government in terms of reparation, repair? So, so far what we've heard is that short term, People will be able to get filters, people will be able to get bottled water, people will be able to get pitchers if they need it, they'll be able to get their homes tested for lead, their bodies tested for lead. Uh, and then just recently they said that they, meaning the administration, uh, Raz Baraka, they're going to allocate $120 million of a loaned amount to the city to replace the lead service lines. So the idea is invest in infrastructure, get infrastructure done, but as Anthony was saying, what about the very human price of this. We know directly people whose children have lead poisoning and it has completely yeah. devastated their development. And just to be clear, I'm not an expert on this, but before people get devastated watching this, <laughs> you can remediate both the water and your own blood system. Damage can get done, but it doesn't have to be severe. It doesn't have to be imperiling for your whole future if you intervene early enough, right? If you intervene early enough, yes. Unfortunately, there's no real reverse for lead poisoning. And that's part of the issue as well because, you know, we're getting a lot of miscommunication from the city administration. So people, they don't have all the facts. And so because they don't have all the facts, they can't, you know, they can't protect themselves. So I think that's one of the biggest issues as well. You know, a lot of misinformation, a lot of the resources not making it to the hands of the affected people. 
and it's a real problem. So we've been trying to really mobilize efforts to canvas the communities, provide education. You know, the elderly population still boils their water and that's one of the worst things that you can do, especially in a lead situation. So it's just getting the information out is one but of I would boil my water, you're not supposed to? No. It concentrates the metals when you boil it. So it might help for other things, you know, like other contaminants to boil it out, but not lead specifically. It just goes to the question of information. I mean, This is the Laura Flanders Show. I'm Laura. My guests are Sabre B and Anthony Diaz, co-founders of the Newark Water Coalition. They have a lot more to say coming up about how they're pushing Newark's mayor and organizing local residents around cleaning up the city's water and just why local public control means so much to them. Meanwhile, I had the honor last week of receiving an award I want to tell you about. It was a Lifetime Achievement Award from the Women's Media Center for working basically in independent journalism all these years. The whole thing made me think a lot about you because after all, while independent media is a nice phrase, to do this work at all, let alone for a lifetime as I have, requires support. I don't take money from big corporations or government, but I am kept alive and this program's kept on the air by you. Listeners who are willing to do their part and community radio stations that put non-commercial shows on the air. You are what makes so-called independent media possible. So in recognition of that, I re-upped my support to my local non-commercial station. Will you do the same? Local stations are also the places you rely on to spread the word when there's a local health crisis, like Newark's water. They covered that story long before it hit the national headlines. And to our podcast audience, thank you. Thank you for becoming supporters and subscribers of this show. And I want to especially thank those of you who have joined our Patreon community. Patreon community members receive bonus content, extra research materials, and little extras from me. We've got a lot of that coming up. If even one out of five of you listening right now became a member of our Patreon community, we'd be set for another lifetime of independent work. That's patreon.com forward slash the LF show. Join us. Next, we discuss how racism poisons the water, and not just in Newark, New Jersey. First, though, here's For the Courageous by Climbing Poetry from their album, Intrinsic. You, who replants today despite unwelcoming soil so tomorrow can be worthy of the roots, your children will grow up to be oak trees. Lies until the grass finds enough spine to break concrete and taste rain for the first time. Your children will sing unconquered through hurricanes. You, who names the nameless and speaks of their suffering, so we never forget the familiarity of their essence. Your children will be unashamed of their reflection. Right. 
Before we move on, I just need to say there's a race piece of all of this, or we should say racism piece of all of this. Do you want to talk to that for a minute? Oh, definitely. We were on a panel the other night and we were hearing about the situation in Detroit where 140,000 homes have been shut off with water. And the person was talking about, well, Detroit has this comeback city narrative. And we were talking, hey, Newark has the same narrative. So it's like you see, you know, in the outskirts of the city, in the low income areas of the city, you have this problem. But in the heart of the downtown area, you don't have a lead crisis. You walk around and it seems business as, as normal. A luxury apartment was tested within 24 hours once they got scared. But then you see, you know, public housing authority officials will not test those buildings. And you see like this definitely discrimination against the, the lower class. And it's, it's just, it hurts. It hurts. And an even more blatant example of that, I think, is during the VMAs. The VMAs were in Newark this year. Uh, we have a lead crisis. The mayor had not put out information calling it a crisis until kind of that day of the VMAs and the day before when he said, hey, people who are coming here, we have this issue, but don't worry. The water at the Prudential Center and the water at the surrounding businesses will be fine. So if you are there for the Video Music Awards, don't worry. Yes. yes. Don't need to feel any kinship with the people. Don't feel any kinship. <laughs> and plus, the water that you're drinking will be filtered. So I'm not certain if they went in and did a quick fix job and did all the businesses in the area or what, but that was just a real... It's it a slap was, in the face. a real slap in the face. Raz Baraka has come in for a lot of grief. <laughs> On this program, we try to look at structural challenges more than individuals. But how are you looking at him? And what does he need to do to turn this around? For me, it was always been a thing of accountability, right? We know that this issue did not start with his administration, but hey, the problem is here now. Own it, own the problem. You're a leader, you're supposed to provide for your people. And we haven't seen that. We haven't seen the transparency around it. We've had problems with each of the programs, you know, the filter program. You know, I would qualify for a filter, but say Saber is my neighbor, she wouldn't qualify for a filter. Or if I qualify for a filter, I should qualify for water, but then we don't get cases of water. So there's holes in all the programs and especially education. We talked about the misinformation before. So if you're the boss, you're in charge of this effort and there's holes along the way, how can I trust you to do the lead service line program? How can I have confidence in you when you didn't speak to this two years prior? How can I have confidence in you when you didn't talk about this during the election, when it was a very real issue and a very real problem? So for him personally, I think there's a lot of flaws there. And again, this is your team. Your team is not doing the best it can for its residents. So we have a lot of issues there. And, you know, it, we're willing to work with anyone, right? We've asked him for a meeting. You know, we've been ignored for a week or two weeks going on now. But we just wanted solutions. We want to get this problem solved. It's not about us. It's not about him. It's just about helping the kids who are affected. And, and that's what we care about. And your former McCory Booker is out there on the campaign trail. Yeah. What use is he making of his now national megaphone? Uh, <laughs> so fortunately, um, we were able to get a meeting with his team, not with him personally, uh, but he says that he's on it, right? He says that he, this, this matters to him. You know, he was a former mayor. He kind of legged up on Newark to get to the Senate and then is continuing his way. We just ask him that he mentions it, right? If you're on a national stage and you mention it, people listen to you, you know? And so that's kind of what we, the call is and we'll see what happens. And we still listen, we still got our ear. We are still <laughs> very hopeful that he will say something. You, you know? gotta keep that optimism yeah. You gotta going. keep that optimism. <laughs> 
water privatization, selling off to private companies, has been what a lot of cities have done. It's a great resource, they can get some money in, they don't have to pay for maintenance, they can get off the hook for responsibility. Are you advocating that at this point for what's, what's going on in Newark? Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. In a city like Newark, where people are often calling us very marginalized and, you know, don't drive there at night, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. It's really great that we still have that resource, you know, but we just really do need better oversight, you know, because this problem, it dates back to the 80s, the 50s, if you will. But at that time, maintenance was being done, right? There wasn't as much negligence. People were not as asleep at the wheel, whereas we're having this elevated levels of lead in the water. So if we could just have people scientists, right, engineers, people who are qualified, experts, to handle something as sensitive as water, right? Because it's not infrastructure. Water is not just infrastructure. Water is, you have to have a good relationship with it. It's life, you know, it, it's its own resource mm. before it goes through those pipes. And we need people who understand that. And if we could have that kind of oversight, then we trust whatever administration to do the work as long as you're doing the work. Mm. Now, you mentioned the 1950s. The other thing we had in those Eisenhower years was a high level of taxation on people with a lot of money. There were more resources mm. in public hands for maintenance. Right. I mean, do you have any sympathy for the city managers who say, We're doing a, we have to do a whole lot with a whole lot less? Well, it's hard to and have... nobody wants us to raise taxes. Well, it's hard to have that sympathy when this past January they all got $50,000 raises. $50,000. And so what we look, you know, I'm a definitely a big numbers person. So when I look at the city budget and over, you know, 50% of that is for police and fire and not for infrastructure, when you have a problem, then it's a, it's a real issue. It's like, where are you allocating your resources? What are you doing with this? I think the resources are there. I just think they're being misappropriated or they don't know how to manage it. And there's like a lot of nepotism there. So those would be my criticisms. And I definitely would be, you know, against privatization because Water is a human right. You know, it shouldn't be a for-profit system. And even the private companies are still having this issue. We see mm -hmm. Bergen County, uh, American Water Company, uh, Suez. They're they're still having lead issues. So it's there, but those people pay even more for their yeah. water. So I mean, the like, trend nationally and certainly internationally is to re-municipalize, yeah. take out of private hands, put back in public right. hands, but do it differently. I want to get to how you would like to see it done differently. But before that, while we're talking about authority, there is a federal act that is supported by, among others, Brenda Lawrence from Michigan and, and Bernie Sanders. I think it's called the Water, the Water act, act, Affordability, Transparency, mm -hmm. yeah. Equity, mm -hmm. and Reliability. Is there a place for federal government intervention in all of this and the passage of that act? I think it's important for regulation. I think that legislation that says, hey, you must test the schools every year and put that information out online so that people in the community and parents know what's going on. I think that is important because it makes it easier for citizens, for activists to be like, hey, this is a problem. And listen, someone else already said that this is what should be going on and it's not going on. So I think legislation, I think the federal government has a place there. Right. But aside from that, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't want just federal hands coming in. We, we just want more eyes on it, oversight. So I think speaking to legislation goes very far. And so we can hold people accountable to something that's already there. And then I think the second part of it is dollars, right? Because you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars to repair these infrastructures. Right. So again, placing this money... Um, I always talk about how when Amazon had the potential to come to Newark, it was a $5 billion tax credit, three from the state and then two from, from the city of Newark. So we have the money. You have the money. You can do it in, in different ways. 
But again, that federal money makes things a lot easier. Now, just to put back on, put, push back on that a tiny bit, they would say, but that credit is only realized as yeah. jobs are created. It's not like it's sitting there, just a detail, but yeah. your point is there. What do you do next? And are you working actively with people in Flint and other parts of the country? So some activists have reached out from Flint and we've partnered with them a lot, especially with uh, best practices. Um, so what we're doing a water distribution, they told us, hey, that's a lot of heavy lifting, gave us some tips. It's been really, it's like a really, when you talk about solidarity, you really feel that, especially coming from Flint because they dealt with this issue before. So in bringing up with Newark, you can, oh, and they're still fighting the same fight. So it's, it's great to work with that together. And then you have cities around the area, you know, Elizabeth, Bloomfield, Belleville, that are also experiencing some issues that are working with us as well. So you see a community building. It's, it's a shame that we have to rally around this cause and this effort, but at the same time, you get that, that hope again in humanity. Right. You think you'll, turn, you'll end up different? Yeah. A thousand percent. I mean, Newark sells its water to 20, 22 other, other cities. And so a lot of those cities are getting hit really quickly and they want to get testing for their water because they're like, hey, if Newark's having this problem, we get, you know, anywhere from 10 to 50 percent of our water from there. How are we affected? You know, so it's, it's growing. It's definitely growing. And people's concern is growing, especially parents and teachers. Parents and teachers are, I think, the most concerned because they're seeing a change in the children. You know, we had a teacher come to our meeting and say, I've never seen so many kids with, an, with IEPs. You know, like, What's that? So it's in like education programs for in-class. And they have a specific program that they need to have for these children because they're having inability, um, sitting still, uh, mental fog, inability to focus, stuff like that. And those are directly correlated to elevated levels of lead, like aggression is. Yeah. You know, and so parents and teachers are noticing this change. You know, I've been teaching 30 years in the school district and these past few years have been, you know, strange. And so it's definitely catching fire. So what can people do? What can people do, A, to look after themselves, B, to reach out or help you, be in allyship with you, mm. um, C, to maybe lift up these issues nationally in the national debate? We are in an election year. So we have a website, NorcWaterCoalition.com. You can find us um, on Facebook, Newark Water Coalition, and Instagram, Clean Water, number four for Newark. Um, but get involved. One of the things I always tell people is it's not enough to have the information for yourself. You have it, tell a neighbor, tell a friend. Like, you really just have to be active in the community. People power is the only way to win this. And the only way to do that is to educate, you know, people around you. And we're still seeing people don't, not realizing there's a crisis. So the more people and eyes that we have on this issue, the more we can hold people accountable, the more we can move around resources, and the more we can really activate the population of Newark. You said something beautiful earlier on that you felt proud that Newark owns its water. Were you aware that Newark owned its water before all this happened? And can you talk a little bit more about that sense of pride about it and, and what it might change if more people understood that and felt that? So I'm going to try to carefully put this together. Uh, so when Cory Booker was our mayor, there was talks of privatization and fighting against it or lobbying for it. And there were some issues around the Newark watershed and, and things like that. And so I think when that kind of, you know, any kind of uh, rumors in the city get around quickly, I'm like, oh, so we own our own water and we're fighting against that. Wow, that's really cool that a city like Newark still has that. I mean, we have beautiful people and great food and the businesses are flourishing, but owning your own water, it's like one of the last things that we have to really stand out 
as a city like ours, right? And I say city like ours very cheekily because I hope people get what I'm saying. But I think that that's so important. And, and if we just get steamrolled by corporations, because downtown Newark is already looking very gentrified and it's moving up the avenues. If we don't have our water anymore, Newark is not the Newark I know. I'm born and raised and it's not gonna be the same, right? And so if we hold on to that, you know, maybe we can hold on to the culture there. You feel the same way? A hundred thousand percent agree. Thank you both. It's been great talking to you. Same Thank you for having Anthony us. Anthony Diaz. You can get more information about the Newark Water Coalition at our website. And big thanks to Nat Needham and Taifi Bayless of The Laura Flanders Show for their reporting in Newark, New Jersey. My guests were Anthony Diaz and Sabre B of the Newark Water Coalition. You can find a whole lot more about our guests and this show at patreon.com forward slash the LF show. And again, a big shout out of thanks to our Patreon community. If you join us right now, you're helping us reach our goal of 100 new members by the end of the year. We're about halfway there. Thanks. This show is produced by yours truly, Laura Flanders, with Matt Colicello, Jeannie Hopper, Tommy Tahifi, Natasha Gaspar, Nat Needham, and Sabine Blazin. The Laura Flanders Show is made possible from the Novo, Ford, Tomcat, Cloud Mountain, and Fonda Foundations, as well as by listeners like you. So thank you. Stay kind, stay curious. Until the next time, I'm Laura.